Welcome to Feels Like Healing with me, Al Lewis. A podcast where I talk to artists about how creativity has helped them process their grief. The reason I'm making this podcast is because when I was 21, I lost my dad to MS. That seismic moment in my life made me decide to become a singer-songwriter. I'd been making music before that point, but never considered it a life choice or as a career. However, after the death of my dad, creativity became a solace for me and a way I could express both my joy and my pain. It made me feel alive in the very moment when I was confronted with the ephemeral nature of life and the devastating reality of loss. So I wanted to talk to other people who've ended up in the creative world, but who've also experienced loss, to see whether they have similar stories of why they got into creativity or whether they were already creative people and just happened to suffer grief. I hope during these conversations that I will come to better understand grief and why it makes us feel how we feel and do what we do. This is Feels Like Healing. My guest this week on Feels Like Healing is the guitarist, songwriter and producer Hugo White. Hugo was one of the founding members of the indie rock band The Maccabees. The Maccabees released four albums between 2007 and 2015, and their third album, Given to the Wild, was nominated for the Mercury Prize. After the Maccabees split in 2017, Hugo's gone on to become a record producer for other artists, and it was through that that I came across Hugo as I was listening to Six Music one day, and the new Jamie T record came on, and it said it was uh, produced by a certain Mr. Hugo White, and uh, that led me to delve into Hugo's backstory and uh, find out that he had a story to share about grief and creativity. So, um, yeah, thanks for joining me, Hugo. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, thank you for having me. And it's, yeah, it's kind of, I guess it's mad that the way things lead to each other. It but, is, isn't um, it? But yeah, yeah, thank you. Thanks, um, thanks for the introduction. <laughs> uh, that's one thing I've gotten good at doing now. I'm a podcaster, so you got yeah, to get very professional. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you got to make them feel good before yeah. you just start like <laughs> fill them with confidence in yeah. their yeah. in their past. Good. Your ego feeling feel, nicely feel massaged. Great. Yeah, yeah. I feel great. <laughs> Mentioning all the awards. You know. <laughs> so. Um, as, as we've alluded to, this this podcast is about grief and creativity and the links between the two. Um, I'd like to start off just by asking you, what were, what were your first introductions to being a creative person? What were the first signs that you were interested in creativity? It's I guess that's hard to know. I mean, I didn't pick up a guitar until I was 16 years old. So that's quite I, late. So in, yeah. yeah, so in some ways, like musically was quite um it was quite late to start I don't know I mean I was always interested in music but not I hadn't actually even considered um I I think actually at at 16 was when I first thought actually being in a band might be a good idea and (laughs) so it kind of all just happened that thing and and subsequently we started the Maccabees that year as well so everything happened at once really that's like an, a really accelerated introduction into creativity yeah yeah isn't that's it? everything the- yeah and then and that literally takes us up to pretty much a few years ago because <laughs> it's literally we started that band and 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 you know the band we split up what was it five years ago four years ago something like that so so our whole lives were, were consumed by um 
or you know or we, we poured our lives into that project if i'd have asked 15 year old hugo what do you think you'll be when you grow up would you have ever suggested a musician slash record producer at 15 maybe not yeah what do you think what do you think you'd have answered that question with i was i was riding bmx so i was like um you know that was i i think i i saw myself as um ending up just working in bike shops and riding my yeah. bike and going to skate parks and whatever, you know, I do, like, uh, yeah, really that, that was kind of what, what I was doing. And then, um, the band thing happened, started playing guitar. What happened to make you, um, pick up the guitar? Was it, um, cause am I right in saying you, one of your brothers is in the band too? Was was he the guy who said to you, what, do you want to join us or, or did you, put your hand up and say can I can I join you guys what was the process there yeah so so he was Felix my older brother this was in a different band and he knew someone who had a brother that wanted to start a band and I and they said they were looking for a guitarist and I just started playing guitar and I was like and basically put me on the phone to this boy's brother that (laughs) that turned out to be Orlando okay um that and we spoke on the phone he's like do you play guitar I was like yeah I play guitar he's like should we do do you want to come to my house so (laughs) yeah it starts isn't it yeah literally went round to his house and I vividly remember not being able to I remember firstly Orlando wasn't very good at playing guitar so he was kind of hoping that to get someone that was better at playing guitar but mm. I, I actually kind of knew that I wasn't any better at playing guitar but I, so I was just kind of like oh let's just you know I'll just sort of pretend I know and we'll work it out well we're and, all blaggers and, when and we're we 16 did. aren't we exactly yeah and and we learnt together you know so we, yeah that was um you know none of us knew what we were doing and we sort of gradually well we still don't but <laughs> <laughs> exactly we're all still pretending we know what we're doing yeah exactly uh, so um i the reason i got in touch with you is because i i went and uh, saw I, I can't remember on what i think it was on your instagram um that you'd posted that you were an ambassador for the ms society and for me that was um really interesting to see because MS uh, well, and the MS Society have been a big part of my life because um, MS was what my dad had and um, sadly uh, my dad died from MS and having been on your um, page I noticed that the reason that you were involved with the MS Society is because sadly you lost your mum to MS, am I right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I did. Um, what at what point in your life did did your mum first notice that she had MS? I think, you know, I was so young. I mean, my mum died when I was 16, so... It, same point as you coming creative. Ex- yeah, pretty much the same point as... Well, yeah, it, it mm. actually is the same, the same time as all of that, which is why it kind of all... I guess it all links together, looking mm. back on it. Um, but... I think my mum was diagnosed when I was maybe four years old, something like that, quite young. Um, and But it was very, you know, I probably didn't really notice that she even had MS or really uh, until, 
uh, maybe sort of five years in or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it, it was, it, you know, it started with uh, very mild symptoms and just things that just started to develop really. So like um, very, I think initially it was um, tiredness and uh, and then slightly impaired vision, you know, just as simple as needing to get glasses and yeah. things that kind of were, so I guess growing up I kind of knew there was something happening and, but. Did you know at a young age that it was something that was going to get worse for your mum or were you unsure then? Because I didn't really know that it that it was going to get worse for that. I suppose a lot of people at that time didn't really know much about MS in terms of whether it would be worse or just manageable. Yeah. And I think it's still even, it, it's hard to pinpoint, isn't it? Mm. You, you don't know, you don't really know with it, where, where it, um, how bad it gets, how bad it can get. But um, did I know, I don't think I knew it would be as as severe. No, I didn't as a, as a kid. I, I, and actually I think I probably, it was just part of life because mm. growing up with it at that age, it didn't. Yeah. I didn't even know any I didn't know anything else you know yeah. so my mum was ill and and it was just something that was became part of our life you know um and but her condition getting progressively worse became you know more and more apparent mm. as getting older and going to you know secondary school and um I think by that time, by the time I was at secondary school, you know, she was really ill. It's really hard because I'd even asking, I think I, I actually remember asking my dad, I had at one point, I kind of was like, I'd heard or someone said something to me at school when I was actually at primary school, someone's, another kid in school said to me, your mum's going to die. And I, I, and I had no, I, at that point I didn't think she would mm. die so, yeah. I, so I knew she wasn't well she had a walking stick and mm. it, it you know things had progressed to, to that level but it hadn't crossed my mind that she was going to die and I remember that really throwing me in there and mm. asking and me asking my dad about it I asked my dad about it and he said she's not going to die for a long time mm. and which I'm now thinking back on it as such a hard thing for my dad, because what do you say? Yeah. I don't know, you know, like... I remember the exact same conversation with my dad. I asked him, or I, I asked my mum, I can't remember who I was, is, he, is dad going to die? Or is, are you going to die from this? And the response was no, 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 no. And I don't yeah. know with hindsight whether that was actually the truth that he didn't know, or he was just trying to protect me, I don't know, but... For those listeners perhaps who don't know much about multiple sclerosis, it is a disease that can affect people in very varied ways. Um, like Hugo mentioned, it can be starting off with impaired vision and then it can progress and there are certain different levels of the disease you can have. And unfortunately for us, our parents both had the, the worst kind. What I found out recently um, is that there is light at the end of the tunnel with MS now and there are drugs and treatments available now that sadly weren't around when our parents were diagnosed which mean that people can uh, can live lives much fuller than our parents were able to and 
that's amazing isn't it Hugo incredible yeah incredible and and actually also I think that you know again our parents from the sounds of it both our parents um, cases yeah were were at the worst end and they're actually people do have MS and and live go on to live a full life you know at different it you know progresses at different rates for different people and and Mm -hmm. doesn't always end as as bad as it had for our parents Mm -hmm. you know yeah um but yeah so it's hard it's a hard thing to talk about because as well it feels difficult um or i feel like my story especially being involved with ms society and um meeting lots of people with ms and and i feel like my story is like kind of is hard because it doesn't really have you know there isn't much hope to it Mm. but But it's not but our story is is an old story now isn't it and and a lot of time has passed like i said and yeah i think um i i recently like you um met with a ms sufferer and um made a tv show with him about about ms and um and yeah it's it's not as doom and gloom as it was and there's so much more information about what is the best way to treat it now than there was and um it certainly feels like a much more manageable disease than it was 20 years ago so um yeah i i I got a lot of comfort out of meeting him and talking to him and and making the program so um yeah yeah that's uh, really great yeah there is i mean yeah they're doing amazing things mm -hmm. yeah so you mentioned that your mum passed away when you were 16 and and that was the moment that you joined what was to become the maccabees so did you ever think at that point oh i'm i need this in my life because of what i've gone through or were you or were you trying to just escape that and just think about anything else what was what was being creative what was it a, a tool for for 16 year old yeah you? I, I think again now looking back on it i don't i never at the time thought thought of it as with as much clarity as i can now as to um how i threw myself into that but um I I was I found it really I mean it was su- such a traumatic thing to go through obviously as a 16 year old and um I didn't really feel like I had anyone that I could that understood or I didn't want even I didn't maybe didn't even want other people to say they understood because I felt like <laughs> yeah. it was so it had I didn't think like anyone else could ever understand so mm-hmm. um what I had was going or how I felt and um so I had quite quickly I think established a way of coping and my way of coping was by not talking about it and you know and I think by doing that I've I threw myself heavily into other things and that and and the band was you know such a gave such a um focus to everything mm-hmm. because it was something that I could you know there, there's kind of no limit to it you know it wasn't it's not like I guess working in a shop or whatever where you're like you have a certain amount of hours and that's your thing and then you leave and it's done it's like with the band it was just where you just live that you know that's yeah. all you um 
and there's no there's no limit to how much you can put into it and mm. and a sense and in lots of ways that was you know that drive um for it um was you know part of the thing that meant that you know having that amount of ambition or not not even that it's ambition but yeah like a kind of it felt like a purpose like a meaningful purpose of like this is where I'm dedicating my life so I take it then that grief or you know your mum specifically wasn't something you guys ever spoke about much back then you said you know your coping mechanism was to just throw yourself into the band so I guess yeah within the band with your brother who was in the band with you there wasn't much talk or 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 inclination to to write about it at that point no we not 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 really no not at all and actually no it was something that we didn't it wasn't discussed and it wasn't even between me and my brother and um and definitely you know musically you know although Orlando was writing the lyrics really but it wasn't something that was addressed you know it didn't um, become a theme to songs or anything like that you know it it just it was just that was just the background you know Mm. it was like and that was maybe part of um, maybe part of the appeal of it as yeah, well yeah it was it was a total escape and it was a chance to reinvent ourselves i think and also like um you could reinvent yourself with the band you could escape we actually you know uh like physically escape places you know we moved mm. to brighton and we kind of started yeah. a whole a whole new thing and um and touring you know which is essentially escape you kind of escape yeah life in general yeah. <laughs> you know maybe yeah. we escaped escaped actually having to uh live a normal <laughs> life or fa- face anything because yeah. every day you go you're traveling to a new place and escaping the last was there a flip point for you then because obviously now you're an ambassador for the ms society you clearly are, are in a much more comfortable place now so where where was that point where it flipped for you and you thought this isn't healthy that this burying it and this not talking about mum what what was the flip point for you thinking back on it like some of the time I was actually in quite a dark place for a lot of the time like I didn't mm. think so at the time but mm. maybe but I, I was really and um and I maybe in my mid-twenties I feel like something kind of crashed down on me but I realised that I needed to address it, and actually, I'd I'd had um, I'd had a number in my phone for a while of a uh, counsellor mm. that I, that my dad had actually given to me. Um, and was I'd it someone your dad had enough. seen, or or just someone you'd no, found? No, I think she'd been recommended for me maybe so right. I mean my dad probably knew that I obviously actually looking back at it, he probably knew I needed to talk about it <laughs> but um, it's funny how but, men have a way of, of uh, communicating don't we yeah, we, yeah, we can't actually say the words it's like here you are so yeah, just in case you need yeah, it yeah 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 exactly <laughs> I, I was literally like a little bit of paper written in pencil wasn't it? but I did hold on to it and um, and I'd really avoided um the idea of speaking to a, 
a counsellor more so than people, other people that I knew mm. um, was when I was just after my mum had died I actually went to see as part of I, I don't know what it was um, part of but there was like a kind of therapy session offered mm. to me and my brothers I guess yeah because you were so separately. young yeah and I, I went to I, I think I got persuaded to, I didn't want to do it and anyway I went to this fair talk to a counsellor and it was just I I just remember it was too soon or I don't it, it must have been within a few months of my mum dying and I, I remember I just had it was such a clear thing to me that this person was asking me questions that, about how I felt about this and I I just I physically feel like I can remember making the decision of like I'm not going to tell you I'm not going to say anything I don't mm. want to say anything I'm not going to say anything and that's how I'm going to deal with it and I think I made that decision there and then that it was like I'm not doing that mm. I, I don't know I, I don't know how that reaction was so strong or um, and part of it was all probably also uh, you know a lack of understanding which can be which is expected but I didn't want to I've I definitely felt for a long time like talking was would let go I felt I was I was trying to hold on to essentially to my mum and I f for some reason felt like talking about it was letting it go I wanted to hold on to it so tight that I didn't want to say anything mm. which is which is like such a strange thing but that seemed like a good idea at the time um and and so I didn't so basically that that kind of went on for a long time and uh, probably like 10 years almost 10 years and then so this number that I had kind of came to a point where I was like I'm I'm gonna go and see this person and I think the moment I walked into the room uh, this woman was just like lovely you know just really lovely and amazing and she um the moment I walked into that room everything just opened up for me and just changed everything changed for me so immediately and so with so much clarity and mm. um and it helped me but it you know and it was hot and I, I probably just cried for the whole session most of the time for a long yeah. time until I got to a point where I didn't cry the yeah. whole time and and then I started to process things and and actually, you know, that, that process of like having someone that can, you know, they're not telling you anything. They're not telling, <laughs> they're not giving you any answers. They're no, just, no, they're, they're just, just asking allowing, questions. Yeah, exactly. And allowing you to, and essentially what you realize, which is so amazing is that you guide yourself yeah. to the, like you end up telling yourself <laughs> by talking. And so you don't realize you have all the answers. You just, it would not, you you can't yeah you have it all within you it's just no it's so true so true yeah obviously to to reach this point where you felt you could talk about it did it then become something you felt like you wanted to write about it actually i didn't think of it as clearly as that but it did because it i had actually written a around that time we were still touring around the time i was going through counselling I we were touring and I'd been 
I would always be writing stuff on my laptop or whatever and kind of making these things that would eventually turn into some form of songs but the I had something that I was had been working on for a while and actually it had come from basically the counsellor that I was seeing so I'd missed the call she left she left me an answer phone message and her answer phone message was her telling me the directions to her house so the end of the voicemail the reason that it feels like it made sense of the song was those words she finished it on was that's where you'll find me immediately I was like I'm going to record that so I recorded it and put it into a thing that I was I think I started writing around it on piano and there was some and this thing was just in the middle of this bit of music gradually kind of actually I think quite naturally just I started it started to become a song which I hadn't realized why it felt so powerful to me and actually when I'd finished the song and when I played it to her she thought that when she said that's where you'll find me the reason it had stuck with me was because it was her saying that's where I'll find my mum you know the directions to her house basically were everything to me because it was like this is the direction instead of it wasn't the directions to her house it was the directions to find my mum which which is why it was so powerfully resonated with me and actually was exactly what it was you know I literally went to her door and it opened it all for me Mm. and so it was so powerful to have to kind of understand that and that song became essentially me confronting all the stuff we're talking about really about accepting grief is it explicit or would a listener realize from the words that that's what this is about or did you mask it enough to sort of give yourself a bit of protection i think most people don't know what it's about yeah. but it probably yeah because it's it could be about lots of things but to me it's so direct it's like it really is like every line is is really direct but um did the other bandmates know did you open up to them about what that song was about or did you let them make up their own minds yeah no i never i would never have i didn't tell them do they don't know up about. to this day no, they do know now. They do but know. I, yeah. I presented the song. I think I presented the song. It. I didn't play it to anyone for over a year, so wow. I, I know I, I had the song fully written, and I, I knew there was something about it that I was really happy with, or I felt it was like had some meaning to me. And why did you keep I just it for a year? Yeah. Why did you do that? I don't know. I just probably like nervous again yeah. probably the same thing of like sharing something mm-hmm. I don't like I don't know I don't know why I did but to be honest that's not that odd but I like I'm <laughs> no. kind of like that with music it's yeah. like I just stew on it for ages <laughs> but um but um but I, I think it it was actually and now I know it was obvious to like my brother and what it was about and and probably to the rest of the band but even then, you know, our the way our relationships were, we didn't. That it wasn't something that we then talked about hmm. and went, "Oh, this is that's a lovely song about." It must be about. It was like it was just like, "Yes, yeah, quite good." <laughs> like, that, it's like okay, so which was which is how we we dealt deal with um, how we dealt with 
part of the reason the Maccabees study but that's you know that, I guess we all kind of have our inbuilt things over and like, yeah. yeah it's quite good but you know in your head it's amazing you know something else someone's done but you just you don't give it away yeah um, but, but so but did that song yeah, for so, you did it did it for you internally release something did it feel like a weight off your shoulders like whether whether anybody outside of that appreciated it or acknowledged it or understood it how was it what was it like for you to write finally write that song and to admit to those things in a in a song yeah it was it meant so much to me i mean i still kind of see it as like a a pinpoint in things for me to have written that song and and especially for it to have made it to the record and and to have it become a song that we we did live as well and um and it was yeah it's just there's something important about it that beyond other songs that i've written you know and did it make you want to write to deal with with those subjects more or did you feel like that was enough that one song or did did it make you think because for me i started last year i wrote a song about about dad for the first time explicitly um, dealing with the fact that he died, and um, it was it was about having to clear his house out, um, and I just talk about going through his things and how painful that was, and wow. and and but then having written that one song, it sort of snowballed into what's now become a whole album worth of material about what clearly I needed to I needed to vent about just our relationship, the father son relationship, also the fact that he passed away and that we had so little time together with him being a fully functioning adult like you alluded to you know ms um can progressively um degenerate people and so i felt like i was robbed of having that dad you know for so long and so there was so much stuff that i realized that i wanted to to co- to cover so was that the same for you did you feel like having written silence was that enough for you or did you feel like there was more um i think that was enough for me then and but i do feel like since um more songs i've been writing and there's an i'm working on a new project at the moment which is actually a band with both of my brothers in so all right that we're that we've been working on so the songs are coming from all of us we um, individually but then kind of pulled together to become unified um, but there's definitely you know or speaking f- from the songs from my angle I even though again it's not the most obvious things but th- but they are there's always a, that that theme is kind of threaded through mm. stuff I think but unlike like um, like how you describe your writing I think I'm still it's like writing up you still wouldn't not it if there's an undercurrent to mm. it but it's not as like thing when you when you talk about your songs it reminds me of um like Loud and Wainwright or something okay. do you know Loud and Wainwright yeah yeah I love Loud and Wainwright yeah he's like I've all, we've actually I've grew up listening to Loud and Wainwright and and his um songs are always so direct like and just so powerful for the pure honesty you know yeah, yeah. and um and i do i love that but i i always feel too 
I don't know. I, maybe I've never actually tried to write. But you say it's a project, uh-huh. a new project with your brothers. So when you're presenting these songs to each other, have you have you noticed any subliminal undercurrents of of grief and your mum from the those two? Yeah, and have yeah, it, has it been discussed? Yeah. Are you guys able? Are you guys more comfortable talking about your mum now, or still not quite? Still um, just yeah, that's a I, good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, exactly that. <laughs> I mean, like, we, I'd say we are more, we're all more comfortable. We all have found our ways of dealing with it, with mm-hmm. it now, better than when we were younger. But, um, but we still, it's still the most painful thing to deal with it together. So mm-hmm. I think we still try to, um, everyone's kind of set up their own coping mechanisms mm. uh, but then when you put them when you put us together and try and deal with it together it's uh, personally i still i still it's still too painful for me mm-hmm. to deal with it with with my brothers so we all deal with it subliminally but together so so i mean it's partly you know that even the band thing yeah there probably is an undercurrent of that like it's again it's probably our way of communicating mm. just you- slightly off the track of being <laughs> straight up you know like through through uh, through our um uh creative you know our art form or you know I've, uh, there's actually one song that um is directly it's kind of uh it's giving it it's advice to someone it feels like it's advice to someone in my who would like in my situation as a 16 year old like dealing with grief it's me giving advice to that person like but again whether you know that I don't know (laughs) but I've I I mean I feel like it's great because it's like it feels yeah it feels important to me and um but yeah you know I don't know one other thing that's really sort of changed my grief and and changed the way I think about it creatively has been becoming a dad um, because uh, my daughter, she, my eldest daughter, she's four years old and um, she's now at that age where she's looking at pictures on the wall and on the mantelpiece and asking me, who's that? Who's that man, that old man? Having to sort of explain to her who he was and and confront that and all those questions that kids aren't afraid of asking um, makes you think about also about the, the cyclical nature of life and how I've now gone into the role of, of the parent and it's, you know, and I'm seeing myself in the mirror more looking like him and all these things. Has Am I, am I right in saying that you're also a parent and has that affected how you think about your outlook on grief? Yeah, I yeah. So yeah, I've got a four-year-old son. Ah, so so you well, know what it's like um, then. <laughs> how how old are you, by the way? I am thirty-seven. Are we the same. Thirty-seven. So we're pretty. Well, I'm thirty-six. So it's um yeah, very similar. It's kind of mad, isn't it? I think f- for me, yeah, it has like it has been a a real. Uh, it's been a fresh opportunity with my son because. Yeah, it felt like a new connection for me to my mum and something mm-hmm. to like begin ag- again with maybe. And kids have a way of like somehow they understand things. Like somehow mm-hmm. he has this understanding that's 
it way too mature for his <laughs> age when he goes to the cemetery with me yeah. he has a like but also then there's a um he also changes the whole context of it because of the mm. you know he can also ask questions and see things differently and and do you think that do you think that that helps you deal with your grief like but more recently since in actually in the last few weeks it's kind of he started to become more worried about dying oh, oh she died so my mum so he knows my mum died when i was young and he goes is my mum gonna die oh yeah and so he, so he's like wake, wakes up in the morning and says daddy like or daddy i don't want you to die i don't want mummy to die and i say well, we're not gonna die and then he's like but your mum died mm. and i said well, it's, I, so it's like i have to not, like and again that comes back to like what we were saying earlier where it's like you know, when I asked my dad or you asked your dad um, about, um, you know, are you going to die? And it's like, so I'm sort of trying to balance that thing off. I'm like, well, we are going to die because yeah. we're all going to die. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, what? I don't want to all die. I'm like, no, listen, we're not going to die for a long time. Like we're yeah. really, you know, some, it, we were really unlucky and my mum was yeah. really unlucky and she died and it was really rare that it happens, but we are all going to die. And he's like, but I don't want to die. I'm like, people live so long, Jet. I say to him like, like listen, because he's got my other, my grand, one of my grandmas is still alive and she's 90 eight or something you know so i'm i use as i'm like jet grandma joyce is nearly a hundred years old and she's still alive so like so and he's like right can i let's call her now then so so we call my grandma yeah yeah so he's like so he's forming this relationship with my grand with my grandma to just make sure he's like just checking that you're still alive, that we can still be alive, you know? So he's like, I'm yeah. building this relationship. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, but yeah, it's important. It it's important though, isn't it, to to confront it with kids, I think at an early age, even though, like you said, there will be bumps along the road of talking about death and, and as they, like you said, as they sort of process it in their head. But ultimately, I think in the long run, it is better to confront it and talk about it. And um, yeah and answer any questions they have isn't it and make them like yeah. you said make them realize that what happened to our parents was, was very rare and and really unlucky and like you, like your grandma joyce you know there's, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a long life to be had as well and it's not it's <laughs> not always um as scary as they think it might be and look, maybe we also you know have some insight that's actually quite powerful to live to live to then live your life understanding the the you know uh the trauma of grief at that young age you mm -hmm. know actually it actually also cha it changes your life and there are things in that mm -hmm. that are you know that can be um you know powerful and it, it, it changes who you are completely right yeah. because that's what you're you've been through and i think um you know and, and like with children it's like you know maybe being able to be open with our children about grief and have it as an, a more open understanding conversation is maybe is something that can you know maybe we didn't have or we didn't yeah. need to have but actually can be important you know to 
So what now? You know, you've you've moved on to a different stage of your career now. You're a record producer, making music with other people. Um, what role does creativity play in your life right now? Because, like you said before, when you were sixteen, starting the Maccabees, it was escapism. Um, to sort of run away from life like you said but now you've got a family um, no need to escape um, so what what is creativity for you now what what does it bring to you I, I literally think that it's my it, you know f- from my whole life it's been my way of coping with a way of coping with life really as well and like and actually you know with this starting another band and constantly writing it's like I just think it's become part of a, a way of life for me you know I don't think and I, and I notice if I don't f- manage to find that creative output or like with if I'm not writing songs or don't find that time to get something creative out or feel like I've progressed creatively or mm. made something that I can feel proud of or um then i i definitely notice that i don't feel as good it's all it's always like it's kind of like it it always picks you back up so it's you're kind of riding this wave where you constantly need to have something to get yourself um like just even if other people don't hear you know it's not necessarily like finishing something or like for for external praise it's for your own Mm. mental yeah so creativity basically is for you it's 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 to give you something really whether whether somebody hears it or not it's it's yeah it's a comfort and you said like understanding yourself a bit better yeah and feeling and it's like it yeah definitely yeah it's kind of like an internal internal therapy of some mm. some kind um to write or to create you know so moving forward do you think you'll be you'll be covering grief or do you think you'll be covering your mum in songs in future songs that you write or do you feel like you've said all you need to say about her and, no, and grief i i actually genuinely feel it's it's in everything and i, I and even whether it's like not understood or seen or or it's a line that's could be seen either way like you know I feel like I know it's there and it's yeah that's part of it and I mm. I know it's kind of sewn into everything and I could probably explain it if I was asked to explain but um but it's I just see it as part of you know I guess part of of me I suppose it's that as well it's being comfortable in your own skin and in in your own life story and thank you, Hugo, for, for sharing your story as well, because I'm sure there'll be people out there who listen to this and can uh, find some comfort in it. And, um, and yeah, so what's, yeah. As, just finish off, what's on the horizon now then for you? What's, what's coming up? And what about the music of, with your brothers? We've recorded the record, so the record's made. We're going to start, we're playing our first show in a, a week's time which is to which we've invited we're doing it like a, a friends and family 
and now it's got to the point where it's like it's 350 people but so it's basically everyone we know which actually is like the pressure of that is like way beyond doing normal stuff i always well, hate like, it when i know there's people i know in the audience yeah it's a stupid idea i don't know why we thought that was a good way to do it so so we basically put ourselves on the most into the most intense situation um and but it, but that's that's how we're going to start it. So, um, so and then hopefully start putting some music out later this year and, and make it real. You know, what's the project going to be called? Um, it's called Eighty Six TVs, which is a, which is a named after a band called Iron Clute. They oh, yeah. have a song. They got a song on their first album called Eighty Six TVs. Iron Clute was one of the bands that we were just obsessed with. Yeah. So, so it's nice to have there's there's some sort of link in there. Well, best of luck with that project, and I look forward to hearing the music later on this year. Uh, thank you for sharing your story as well and talking about your mum, Hugo. Really appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, man. No, Thanks. I think it's great what you're doing, and thank you for having me involved. And good luck with it all. Good luck with your journey with it. Cheers, man. And now the song Silence by the Maccabees. Thought I'd find it easier Under lock, chain and key Thought I'd find it easier To just keep you That's when I shut down my relationships Watch them floating out to sea I understand that it never ends She's waiting round every corner, round every bend And it hurts to know that I won't know Thank you. 
For more information about Hugo and his music, follow him on social media at Hugo White Noise. Information about the songs that I used in this episode are available in the description. Make sure that you rate and subscribe to this podcast as it will help to spread the word about Feels Like Healing. Thanks for listening.